0: Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to mobilize to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit AllSaintsOKC.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC current series that we're in. The book of Acts, we're in part seven, reinforces our commitment to this, being people of the book and people of the Holy Spirit. And it also just kind of reinforces the model that's laid out in the scriptures. What does it mean to be the church in the world? And the book of Acts lays that out clearly for us. If you want to open your Bible encourage people to bring your own Bible, or you could grab a pew Bible there. We're digging into Acts chapter 3, the whole chapter, and we'll see that it's an amazing account of Jesus continuing his ministry through his followers. And if you recall, we were at the end of chapter 2, at verse 43, and we heard this. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. So today, in chapter 3, we're going to see a vivid example of that a miracle performed through Peter and John. What's interesting, like Acts chapter 2, this chapter is going to have an event. Something happens and then the Apostle Peter gives an explanation. So event, healing, explanation, preaching in the name of Jesus. It's a fascinating chapter and it's got a simple outline. We're gonna see that a layman is healed and then we're gonna see that the Apostle Peter under the anointing and power and unction of the Holy Spirit preaches Jesus from the Old Testament scriptures. All right, so we're gonna read the whole chapter and we do that because that's a practice that they did in the early church. They would read scripture and if you remember in 1 Timothy, the apostle, Peter, the apostle Paul told Timothy, give yourself to the public reading of scripture. And so the early church did that. We saw that in Acts two forty-two. they were devoted to the apostles teaching and they were devoted to all the scriptures and they would read whole books of the Bible together. So it's good and right that we would read a chapter Won't make you stand because this is 26 verses. But we're going to read Acts 3, 1 to 26. And then we're going to come back and look at those two things. The healing of this lame man in the name of Jesus. And then Paul preaching Jesus from the scriptures. So Lord, as we always do, we look to you. We ask Holy Spirit, the great teacher, the spirit of truth. That you would brood over us. That you would open the word of God to us. And cause our hearts to burn. With love and truth. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Acts 3. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple. At the hour of prayer. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth. Was being carried in. People would lay him daily. At the gate of the temple. Called the beautiful gate. So that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? as though by our own power or piety we made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that the Messiah would suffer, repent therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is Jesus Who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets? Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you from your own people a prophet like me. You must listen to whatever he tells you. And it will be that everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be utterly rooted out of the people. And all the prophets, As many as have spoken, from Samuel to those after him, also predicted these days. You are the descendants of the prophets and of the covenant that God gave to your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and in your descendants all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. That's a chunk of scripture there, isn't it? 26 verses and I think we have to train our minds to be attentive and to come back to it. So if your mind wanders off a little bit and you're, I missed a little scene here, you come back. We do what the apostle Paul said and we give ourselves to the public reading of scripture with one another in our groups. I encourage you to read scripture aloud in your time with the Lord. So let's look at this amazing passage here that's showing us the power of Jesus' name. Look at the first section there. Verses 1 through 10 is about primarily a lame man being healed. This is Peter and John. It's the first time that John the son of Zebedee is in a moment like this. These are two pillars of the church, as the Apostle Paul calls them in Galatians 2, 9 and they're working together in a pair. Isn't that interesting? Where have you heard that before? Two by two, Jesus sent them out. And so here it is again, the practice they learned from Christ, where he instructed them in Luke nine, one to six, go out two by two and do kingdom ministry together. And so here, Peter and John are continuing that. It's probably also they're going out two by two because the Old Testament taught that every testimony had to be verified by two witnesses. And so what is being suggested here is they're going out with a true message of the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and there's two witnesses at a time to verify. They're going to pray during the set hours at the temple in Jerusalem. And these set hours were the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour, That is 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. So here they were at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the ninth hour going, why would they do that? Why were there set hours? It's probably because even 2,000 years ago, people got busy, and people's minds wandered, and they drifted from God during the day, and so they had these set moments to go and be in God's presence together to read scripture, to pray. And so there's something to learn from this. Maybe we should. I've been thinking about this, having a, something set on my phone that would remind me, maybe hourly, to turn to the Lord. I found a new app, the Jesus Prayer app, that will signal to you. It can vibrate in your pocket, kind of doing what these set hours did for these early Christians going to the temple. We turn to the Lord throughout the day. We're seeing that prayer plays a very central role, doesn't it? I just want to tell you how many times we've heard prayer and we're only in chapter 3. Just listen to this. In chapter 1, verse 14, they were constantly in prayer. In the same chapter, chapter 1, verse 24, they prayed while selecting Matthias, Judas's replacement. In chapter we remember Pentecost. They were in the upper room and prayer was the prelude to Pentecost. And then I referenced chapter 2, verse 42. They were devoted to what? To prayer. So friends, they were a praying church. We want to be a praying church. They give us an example to follow. And so really the, the birthplace of this miracle was prayer once again. They were going to the place of prayer clinging to the Lord in prayer and a miracle happened. Look at verse 2 here. This man was lame and it literally means he was lame from his mother's womb. He had never walked. So Luke, the doctor that he is and we'll be hearing more about this is showing us the severity of this man's condition. So they're walking up the steps to this temple, this gate called Beautiful And I've got an image, actually, I want you to see because I don't know you. I don't know about you, but I like to have these visuals. And if you can see the lower arrow there pointing to the beautiful gate there. And this is a model, a recreation of Herod's temple that was eventually destroyed in A.D. 70 by the Romans. But this gives you an idea of how large This temple was with multiple walls. And so that lame man was sitting by the beautiful gate on the stairs there, begging. And this was a favorite entrance, the beautiful gate. And it was an ornately decorated, probably covered in bronze with jewels and about 30 feet high. It was beautiful. It was stunning. It was one of the favorites to enter into the temple. And this man was sitting there asking for money because he couldn't work. So he saw Peter and John, didn't he, at verse 3, and he asks them, he holds out his hand and asks for money. And what he is about to receive is much more than silver and gold, isn't it? Look at verse 4. Peter says, look at us. Give us your full attention. Peter says, I do not have silver or gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And then he reaches out and raises him up. Again, Jesus did this in the Gospels. He raised people up and he would help them up. So Peter is following the master of Jesus in this miracle. And verses 8 through 10 show us the response. The man jumps to his feet and begins to walk. Look at verse 8. And he goes with Peter and John into the temple courts, doesn't he? Walking and jumping and praising God. And all the people are seeing this. And they recognize him. This is the same guy that's been coming here for years. The guy who's never walked. This is him. And he's not just walking. He's jumping and praising and going bananas. We probably would as well. Peter's going to explain what happened here in a moment. But I just want to note here for for a second. Luke is going to talk about this in Acts. He's done it all the way through the gospel that he wrote, Luke. And now he's going to do it in part two in, in Acts. And he's going to show over and over again how much Jesus loves people on the margins. Lots of people walk by this guy day after day, week after week, month after month, didn't really pay attention to him. And here, Peter and John walk by him, and they're moved by the spirit of Jesus in them. And we're going to see in the book of Acts, this is what Jesus did. He walked around filled with compassion, touching the broken, the sick, the lepers, no one else would touch these people, and Jesus did. To such an extent that people are like, you are the friend of the unclean. You are the friend of sinners. And so the apostles, the early church is going to follow in those steps. So I want to say here, this is rather delicate, right? And for those of us who have uh, disabled friends, this is something that means something particularly near and dear to our hearts. I just want us to, to be sensitive here. We are going to pray for the sick, and we're going to pray for those who are disabled if they want prayer, and we are going to make that a regular practice and value. Amen? At the same time, we, it's not up to us who the Lord heals. It wasn't up to Peter and John. It's not up to us. It's up to us to obey the scriptures, and they say pray for the sick. And so we are going to pray for the sick. And we will pray for people if they can't walk, people that struggle in their broken bodies. It's part of existence and a broken world. But at the same time, we want to make space for the disabled to use their gifts and to, you know, based on kingdom theology, the already and the not yet, we will pray if they want prayer. And then we'll create space for the disabled. I want to share something I've never shared here at this church. I've had a recurring vision of people in wheelchairs and the disabled. I shared this at Crestwood Vineyard many years ago. And the glory and presence of God was washing over them. And there was a large gathering of people in wheelchairs and needing walking assistance and even people on the ground. And I saw it. Like lots of people and the presence and the glory of God was washing over them and they were worshiping their minds out, their hearts out. And so we, we want to be that kind of church, right? And what does that look like? I don't know. We're going to find out. But how beautiful would it be for us to have a lot of disabled brothers and sisters in Jesus in our church? And we have some, but what if the Lord said, I'm going to bring more to you to be a part of this family and we can pray for them and we can try if they want prayer and then we can also say hey we want you to be a part of this church and use your gifts and experience the glory and presence of God with us amen and I know that's kind of um challenging to to balance but I think the Lord wants to teach us how to do that what do you think you with me on that So, I also think, along with showing us how much Jesus and then, therefore, his followers love those on the margins and want to see the healing power of God touch their lives, this passage also challenges our priorities. Challenges us deeply. What do I mean by that? And I am looking in the mirror as I say this. What do we prize more, money or God's power to heal? In the name of Jesus, look in your own heart right now. What is more important to you, accumulating money, silver and gold, or the power of God flowing through you to heal the sick? I'm not sure how I can honestly answer that. I want to be more and more in that place of I want to see the power of God so much that it really eclipses everything else. Now, do I, am I saying if you're in banking or making money or am I saying you should feel guilty and that you're mishearing me? Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Are you more obsessed and preoccupied and fixated on making money and accumulating wealth and having comfortability or at the core of your heart, are you saying, Lord, I really do want you, and I want to see you heal, and I'm willing to make sacrifices. There's a story that I came across this week that an old commentator from the 17th century was commenting on this passage, and he said it reminded him of a story that he heard about Thomas Aquinas. These are Church fathers, Thomas Aquinas was a Dominican theologian from the 13th century, and bear with me here because this story is very interesting. Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century had a conversation with Pope Innocent II, a great medieval theologian and a great pope, and the pope was counting out a large sum of money there in front of Thomas, and he said, Thomas, the church can no longer say silver and gold I do not have. However, Thomas replied, that is true, Holy Father, but neither can we now say rise and walk. So we want to meditate on a passage like this and on a story like this. Friends, can we say Rise and walk. Is our heart our priority in seeing the power of God come? And this is going to work on me as well, but we want to be that kind of church that is not overly fixated on money, on silver and gold. We trust that God will provide for us, but we want the presence and power of God among us. Amen? And again, hear me on that. I'm not saying that we need to be foolish and not care about money and that those of us who are dealing with money are doing something secondary, that's not it at all, not it is. Church history is filled with stories of people who had money and their heart was for the kingdom and they were generous and they prayed for the sick. It's a hard issue, isn't it? Jesus didn't go around to everybody and say, give everything you've got, give it away. He singled out certain people because he saw into their heart, and he said, this person loves money more than the king, and so I'm going to single them out. Amen? So, second section here. We see the miracle of healing, and now Peter is going to explain the event, verses 11 through 26, and he's going to talk about, especially in verses 11 through 16, the power of the name of Jesus. Jesus. The scene shifts, doesn't it? Look at verse 11. The healed man is holding on to Peter and John, and that's probably out of gratitude. If you and I had not walked our entire lives and someone spoke a word of healing to you and your ankles popped into joint and you were able to stand and then you were lifted and you went and walked around and began to do the holy shuffle because you were filled with gratitude, you're probably gonna cling on to them as well. It's probably also his way of signaling, these are the guys that did this to me and I want everybody to know. I'm grateful, but I'm also clinging on to them because I want people to know who these guys are. These guys are special, this person thinks, and so a crowd An astounded crowd is formed, gathers around, and they're in this place called Solomon's Colonnade or porch. I had a picture of that as well. You can throw that up there. You can see the other arrow at the top of the picture there, upper left. And you can get a feel for the scope of this massive porch that was partly covered. And I got another picture after this one. You can just see how beautiful and how stunning this open air porch was and it was filled with people for prayer but now they were gathering around this healed lame man and so that was the scene there where this miracle is happening and Peter says at verse 12 to the crowd why in the world are you surprised he's saying God still heals but he also heals through the name of Jesus He says, why are you staring at me and why are you staring at John? It is not our power, our authority, our piety, our devotional life, our holiness that has made this happen. It is only the name of Jesus that healed this man. So we're seeing that Jesus continues his ministry and works miracles through his followers in his name. And it's not because these two apostles were special or holy. Think about this for a minute. This, I think, is a window into one of the most important things in praying for the sick. Friends, it doesn't matter how much you've prayed, how pious you are, how much sacrifice you've made based on this text. These are two apostles. They've done all those things. But in the end, is it because they fasted and they prayed and they got God's attention and finally met that quota? You've prayed enough. You've been good enough. You're righteous enough. Here's a healing, Peter. Is that what happened? No, they're saying it is the name of Jesus. This is another vineyard value. John and Carol Wimber used to say all the time while praying, the founders of the Vineyard Movement, it's about his mercy. It's about the mercy of Jesus. And Jesus can heal through someone who's two hours old in the Lord. Or he can heal through someone who's 95, who has a long history of prayer and studying the scriptures. It is all about the Lord's mercy. Amen? So if and when Jesus heals, it's really not because of how great you or I are, how good a week we've had, what kind of season we're in. It is a constant reminder, it's my mercy. I heal people because I'm good and I'm full of compassion and love. It's not, Brock, about your personal holiness. And I go, thank God, because I'm a roller coaster sometimes. Anybody else? Roller coaster on your personal righteousness and holiness? Am I the only one? I mean, sometimes I feel righteous. I'm close to Jesus. His righteousness is wrapped around me. Man, I feel close to Him. I feel tenderhearted. And then the next hour is Jekyll and Hyde. Amen? So it doesn't matter on our personal. Holiness and righteousness. Now, hear me. Am I saying, therefore, we get to live like demons? Of course not. It just means, ultimately, of course, we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ through faith and grace. And we want to grow up and be mature. We want to pray. We want to have personal piety and holiness big time. But in the end, it's not those things that tip the scales in healing ministry. Amen? That is good news. That is good news. What happens? Verse 13, Peter explains that God is glorifying his servant Jesus. That is what this healing is about. God has decided in that moment through these two human beings to glorify his servant Jesus. So I think when we pray for the sick, this is a prayer. Father, glorify the name of Jesus. We're praying for this person. It's in your hands. We pray with faith because the scriptures teach us to pray with faith. Glorify your servant, Jesus. Glorify the name of Jesus through healing. There's so much more to comment on. I want to end with this, and I'm going to skip over quite a bit. But this passage really is about Jesus. It's about his followers. But I just want us to notice here as we end all of the different names in these 26 verses that are used for Jesus. He's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's God's servant. He's the holy and righteous one. He's the author of life. Friends, this is a Christ-centered passage. And so from the beginning, they had what is called high Christology. What does that mean? That means that they had a very rich theological view of who Jesus was. He was everything to them. And it was all rooted in their reading and their understanding of the Old Testament. They saw Christ as the fulfillment of every single Old Testament prophecy. And so what shouts out of this text to you and me, the power of the name of Jesus He's the healer. He's the merciful one. He's the servant. He's amazing. He laid down his life and the Father raised him from the dead and they were witnesses to that and you and I are witnesses to the resurrection. Why don't we stand? As his witnesses today, the worship team can come up and let's have the ministry team come up as well. Each week it will be a challenge as we do this. We'll be able to Go deep in some parts of the text, but we can't cover all 26 verses. I would encourage you to go back and camp out in chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. And I mentioned this previously. John Mode and I talked about it. I'm recommending for this season that you take a bit from Acts each day, and then on alternating days, you read a psalm or a part of a psalm. And so you're rotating between those two And that kind of stretches it out, but it also gives some variety each day as we give ourselves to the word of God.